We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am joined as always by my dazzling co-host Rohan Kadi, really busting out the the nice words directly after a Milwaukee Bucks 124-118 win over the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucks' second win over Brooklyn in three days. Milwaukee sweeping the little mini-series with Brooklyn. KD plays both games. Giannis plays better both games. We're going to talk about basically the series as a whole, weighing the pros and cons of what we saw. Rohan, how's it going? I'm doing great. You did not mention Ty. More importantly, they now have the tiebreaker over the Brooklyn Nets. And the, the Philadelphia 76ers. The Bucks now mm-hmm. own tiebreakers you know, the, over you know every what a other weird, team. A weird quirk in that is? It only matters for one of them. What do you mean? Because whichever one is the division winner, it matters for. Oh, otherwise the Bucks would get it automatically? Yeah. Because, like, division winner takes precedence. If it's a tie. I think that's just for them, not for versus the Bucks. I believe. No, I it's, know, I if, wanna... if it's if two teams are tied, they first go to the division winner. Really, that's so stupid. Yeah. I thought they got rid of all the division winner stuff after that one year. Portland was like third in the West, despite having like the sixth best record. That was that was when they were guaranteed. Like, yeah, they a were top guaranteed spot. top three. I remember that. Okay, weird rule. Regardless, uh, the Bucks have every tiebreaker now over. Philly and Brooklyn, everyone that they would need at least, that probably won't come into play as there's just a handful of games left and there are a couple games back. But if Philly or Brooklyn kind of choke over these last few games, the Bucks would have a chance. But the Bucks haven't exactly been great against 
the bottom feeder competition they're going up against over these last couple of weeks. But let's put all that aside. We've talked plenty about that. I'm sure we'll talk more about that and take more looks at the standings as we get closer, although probably they won't be elongated looks because it seems like the Bucks are going to be in third. Whatever. The Nets series. Two straight wins against what a lot of people are saying is the most dangerous team, probably the sleeping giant if there is one in the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets, a super team, mind you, without James Harden for both Ty, of these I don't games. know what kind of content you are consuming when you say that the Nets are a sleeping giant. People, they are, are people by call the far, Nets a sleeping giant. They are the favorites. <laughs> Even Vegas has them as the favorites. And I think even we would consider them to be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. But who knows? Things happen. We'll get into it in this episode. Yeah, I think it's more that I think the sleeping giants thing is like, are we are we silly for not just thinking they're going to run through the playoffs? Is I think the the take that I'm actually referring to. So I might have missed misconveyed that. But whatever. The Bucks beat the Nets twice. James Harden doesn't play in either game. That's the story of the Nets. Again, I'm not going to hold that against the Bucks. That's just how the Nets' season has been. I think they've had seven games with their big three actually together. But still, not easy to beat a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving twice in three days. A team that came out and said how they were going to defend Giannis differently and change everything up. And what does Giannis do? He leads the game – or he leads uh, the team in scoring again. I forgot Kyrie ended up with 38 in this game. Giannis puts up 36 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, one steal, five turnovers. Here's the concerning number for me, though, and this is pros and cons. We can get into it right here with Giannis because there's things on both sides. Four for 12 from three. I think at one point in this game, was he four for seven or four for eight? I think he was, yeah, four for seven, I believe. One or the other. So, I mean, then he was also four for eight at one point at the very least. He was four for eight um, at some point in this game, then goes on to miss four more threes. I really, I didn't want to have that many qualms about Giannis's shooting later in this game, in the second game, just because he was making so many earlier, but there was a certain point where I was like, okay, that's enough now. Like that's enough attempted threes. We get that's in your bag, make a closer shot and then go and take a three. And I just think Giannis got away from, what needs to be his fastball, his go-to pitch, so to speak, a little too much in this game. So I think pro, Giannis' shooting looked great, and he made eight threes across two games against Brooklyn, and the midi looked great, and the turnaround and everything else. Khan, a little too reliant on it near the end of this game. Yeah, we talked about this last episode, uh, recapping the first game. If you haven't listened to that, make sure to check that out previously on the Eurostep feed. Uh, we talked about how it was just, it was an insane shooting night from Giannis. Nothing was super out of the ordinary except for like obviously three point percentage and overall field goal percentage because that was just an insanely high, like insanely high shooting game for Giannis. The thing is, we were saying that those looks are going to be available to him and he's been consistently knocking down those looks, especially inside the arc. This game, he starts out really cold. He starts out trying to impose that himself once again saying, okay, I can do this again. And he's just, the shots aren't falling from mid-range. They really aren't. He starts out hot from three, like you mentioned earlier. But just inside the arc, he wasn't really, he didn't really have it. So what you would want him to do in that situation is just like, okay, that's not working. Let's just go to the rim again. Let's go attack. Let's go, let's go be Giannis. He didn't do that right away. He did 
he did go to that eventually, and it didn't end up working really, really well. However, he didn't go to it right away. Like you said, he was looking a little too reliant on that jumper. It's fine, I think. I think that's fine. To an extent, I think it's fine. I, Giannis, it, like, I'll just keep the pitcher uh, metaphor because I've been playing a lot of MLB the show. Like, Giannis... Overrated. No, no, we're not doing this right now. The menus um, are absolute garbage. I don't care about the menus. I'm there to play the it's game. It's so to hard to – whatever. Yeah. Um, Giannis – let's call Giannis an ace pitcher, right? Getting to the rim is his fastball. And for a while, Giannis was Mariano Rivera. That was the pitch. That was what he was doing. Unlike Mariano Rivera, it wasn't quite enough in the NBA for Giannis to win championships. Although, you know, closer than people kind of remember after – that 2019 series was a stone's throw away from going a different let's, direction. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now Giannis is adding other pitches, which is great, right? He's got the the changeup, which is the turnaround mid mid ranger, all mid rangers really, and he's got the curveball, which is the three point shot. And that it's quite a curveball for other teams, right? Like when he's making those, it just starts to feel hopeless. And the Lakers the Lakers game last year, the Nets games this year. Teams just kind of throw their hands up, and it's like, okay, if Giannis is going to shoot four for eight on threes, there's only so much we can do. It takes everything to defend him within the arc. If we stretch out there, we're just toast. Like, we just can't do it. But it's true for pitchers, too. Like, if you throw eight straight curveballs, somebody's probably going to put one of them in the bleachers. Like, it becomes a little too predictable, and you get a little too far away from the meat and potatoes of what you offer as a player. And again, we don't want to put Giannis in the box. We've said this before. The guy has accomplished everything. It's not for us to say there's anything on the earth he can't do. He or Thanasis, both of them. But there does come a point when you get a little too cute, and I think that's what happened with Giannis later in this game. So great to see him be confident in that shot. Not great to see him go full Kyrie, and uh, Kyrie was actually pretty excellent in this game. But Kyrie was incredible. Go full Celtics Kyrie and get and say, you know what, we need right now a three ball for me with 20 on the shot clocks. Almost never the answer for Giannis. Yeah, it's more like, okay, this is an addition. Right? That's what you're trying to say here. Yeah. It should be an addition to the repertoire, not the only thing you do. It should be like, oh, you want – you want to see me do something else? I'll do this. Oh, you're going to guard this now? Now I'm going to go do that. It's it's sort of like, okay, I have another thing to do. I have I have more of a bag. Is, uh, the the haters on Twitter want to say that Giannis doesn't have a bag. Well, they, they're looking real quiet. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just you need to mix it up. You need to have both sort of aspects in there to be a more complete player and be someone who can – lead the team to a championship and or just whatever this team wants to achieve, which is a championship. You just have to have both things there. You can't just be a one-dimensional player, just do one thing the entire game. You have to mix it up. That's what makes the great players great. And Giannis is definitely capable because we're seeing, okay, he can do both. Well, you got to do both over the course of the game. Yeah, and be a little more interchangeable than Giannis was I later. I feel like I'm being too point. harsh. Like, he was incredible. I, I, I feel like we acknowledged it. I mean, I st- he outdueled Kevin Durant twice in a row. He outscored KD in both of these games, and the Bucks won both of these games. I mean, that's that probably says more than any individual stat to me. And I said this on, on the last pod, the live pod, like it's still wild the Milwaukee Bucks have a guy 
who can just go toe-to-toe with freaking Kevin Durant and come out on top two games in a row. Like, the Nets wanted this game. So they wanted the last one, too. I think they really wanted this one. KD, again, logs 40 minutes despite having such a rough season injury-wise, returning from that Achilles he suffered a couple years ago now, and still logs 40 minutes. But despite scoring 32 points on 22 shots, the Bucks or the Nets only win those 40 minutes by one point. And I think that's probably my next pro, not to get away from Giannis too quickly, and one last Giannis thing, 10 for 12 from the line. No analysis I was given. Say that. Yep. No analysis given. We're just going to move on. Uh, but Kevin Durant, again, I thought the Bucks did a great job defending him, all things considered, especially Chris Middleton. Can we talk about just as a pro in itself before we get to the full Chris experience? Not even just his offense in that fourth quarter that carried the Bucks to a win here t- uh, on Tuesday night, but his defense. On Kevin Durant. Do we have the fourth quarter splits on KD? I can try to pull it up. We do. What What did KD shoot in that fourth quarter? One of six from the field, 0 of three from three, two points, lost his minutes by five. How many turnovers? One. One. Chris was all over him. That was the best extended defense I've seen from Chris Middleton I don't know, 2017, I don't remember a stretch off top, but it feels like it's been that long, and that's partially shaded. Maybe even earlier. I feel like that stretch where he hit the game winner over the Suns that sort of rotated around the basket, this is a deep cut right Yeah. But that stretch of Chris Middleton defense was incredible. 15-16 season. Yeah, I was was probably probably before. The one I said was after the hamstring. Or 14-15, excuse me, 14-15. Yeah, that was when he first became a 3-and-D guy. But... The, the defense he played on KD in this game, so partially shade because he hasn't been good enough on most of the season on that end, and partially just because just some of the most impressive defense you will see. Like, I'm graciously waiting for somebody on Bucks Twitter to share all the clips from that Wednesday morning or whatever because he was just completely in KD's jersey. KD clearly uncomfortable. Like, he ended up missing a couple shots that were actually pretty open, I feel like he just felt Chris Middleton, even if he wasn't necessarily there. That's how all over Katie Chris Middleton was. And didn't didn't foul him, didn't let him get to the line, but contested every single shot, got inside his jersey. It was a clinic. And to be able to do that and go down and score on the other end was incredibly impressive and promising for the future of this Bucks team. I have a, a wild analogy I'm going to pull out soon. But Ooh. wild for this Bucks team just to see, like, that show through again. That's not something I knew Chris would still have in him. If this guy's going to be able to take reps on KD and do not just an adequate job, like we've talked about defending KD is about doing adequate, but a damn good job, it's not going to be every night. It's not going to be a whole game at a time. But just seeing that in spurts again just feels like a huge, a huge pro, just like a very comforting thing in a sea of discontent that is logging on to Twitter.com. For sure. And it's not even just on-ball defense. He was also doing this off-ball defense as well. I'm, you, you're waiting for Twitter to pull it up, Ty. I'm doing this live. Uh, 
So there's this play with 7.07 left in the fourth quarter, and Kevin Durant is being defended by Giannis, and he goes off of a Jeff Green screen, and it's sort of like, okay, Chris is roaming on Mike James, and he realizes, oh, once KD goes over the screen where Brooke Lopez is, he is going to pull up from three. So before the screen even occurs, Chris Middleton is already rotated into Kevin Durant's face. And he misses the three because he knew that he was going to pull in that situation because of the personnel out there who was setting the screen, what type of play it was. And he knew. So it's not even just the on-ball defense. It's the off-ball awareness as well. This is what we've been wanting to see from Chris Middleton. It is just, it's an incredible stretch. I, I wish we would see it every game, Ty, but I could say the same thing about this entire Bucks team. Uh, but yeah. we do know that the last games that they've done this, the last games that every single player has been completely locked in, and we're talking about Chris right now, but I just want to say as a general take, it's been against big-time opponents. It's been against the miniseries with Philadelphia, and now it's the miniseries with Brooklyn. They take these games seriously, and they know when the time comes, they are up to the challenge and are very capable of taking down both of these teams. Another pro, the Bucks 4-0 in their last four games against Philly. Yes, sir. Like, that is... And both other, it sucks that both teams were banged up. I wish we got four fully healthy. That's the reality of the NBA, though. Yeah, that's that's especially this season. Especially those two teams who often have guys banged up. Like it's not like the Sixers and the Nets are like healthy all year long and then suddenly missing guys against Milwaukee. Like those two teams just struggle to remain healthy. It's a sad reality for both. But yeah, um, I certainly agree there. Do you want my analogy before I forget? Yes. In some ways, Dante DiVincenzo is a microcosm for this whole Bucks team because the floor and ceiling difference that we've seen just over the last like three weeks on the Bucks, they're just wildly different. And it can be in the same game, it can be night to night. Like there's sometimes the Bucks just look like they can't beat anybody with the way they execute, especially late in games. And I, funny enough, I didn't think their late game execution was entirely crisp against Brooklyn, but it was enough. Oh, my goodness. In it, these was, games. it was abysmal. <laughs> yeah. But they still, they beat Brooklyn, right? Like, their ceiling is, oh, my God, they're good enough to beat any team in the NBA on any night. Like, they can give Kevin Durant problems, and Giannis can outplay whoever's on the other team, yada, yada, yada. And then they're like, oh, God, the Warriors, and we're only up six with eight minutes to play? This is going to – there's no way we're going to win this one. Like, Imagine saying that sentence, ceiling. like, three years ago. Yeah. NBA is a wild place. But yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think this really flows into uh, a, a con. Yeah. Dante. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. People people crowed for an upstock uh, after this Dante game. And I think... And here's the thing. That fourth quarter deserved an upstock. For sure. The problem is it's a four-quarter game. That's yeah. the real problem here. And you have to consider the other three quarters of the game where he looked absolutely unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. Credit where credit is due. In the fourth quarter, three of four from the field, four and six points, had six rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. Like he was doing the dirty work. He was getting to where he needed to go. Four offensive boards in one quarter. That is incredible. Zero turnovers as well. It's just... It was great in the fourth quarter, which he plays the majority of, 11 minutes, which was a decision. Uh, three quarters matter. It, it, they really do. They really do. And he just, 
he did not have it. He really did not, and I'm struggling to find a real defense for him. He scored four points through the first seven quarters of these two games against the Brooklyn Nets, and that's just not enough for a starter. Like, sorry, you just cannot have a starter score four points through seven quarters, and they're not the fifth starter offensively. They're probably the fourth starter. It's debatable, but... Nah, they're the fifth starter. I guess. I don't know. They're they're the fourth starter in terms of minutes. Actually, you know what? Yeah, fourth, fourth. Maybe maybe Lopez probably takes more shots on a basis, but, I mean, he's finally getting the role player minutes that we had hoped for. Brooke Lopez, 24 minutes in this game. Kind of felt like an eternity, although the Bucks did really well in those minutes. When he's out there guarding Jeff Green, it's just it's like very tenuous. I think there was a three-possession sequence I tweeted about where like they they scraped by, but only because Jeff Green was just not in the mood to take wide open pick and pop threes for some reason. Like Brooklyn was just getting that shot whenever they wanted it, and he was driving and it's still opening up good shots. And it's like if Jeff Green is shooting those, like uh, the Nets could have really seized some momentum there. But I digress. Dante, like. He did the he did the Dante things pretty well, not on offense, throughout the games. And we talked about this in the last pod. Like the rebounding was good, the defense was fine. It wasn't great, but it was solid. The defense was, slipped a little this game as well. Yeah, no, no stops, making, which is rough for Dante. He was making he was going for a lot of gambles. Shout out to the Corkmaz. Uh, just just overplaying, doing getting getting tunnel vision. There was this one fast break where he got the steal or got. I think it was a steal. I think it was his. Maybe it wasn't. He, he got a loose ball. I'll say that. Yeah. And then he's just going down the court and he decides to go two on one. It's like, what what are you doing? And he also had Giannis and Chris on either side of him. It's like, you can't do that. You can't waste possessions against a team like this. Like, especially you going to the rim. Like if it's you versus no defenders, I'd be, I'd be a little cautious there. But, like, there's two defenders there. Like, it, it come on, feels man. Like, it feels like he used up all the contested layups he's going to make for, like, the rest of the regular season in that fourth quarter. But it was lucky like that, he, that he pulled off. Thanasis just switched powers. Yeah, maybe. Like, wh- <laughs> like Thanasis is – I'm not going to say it. I'm not gonna yeah, say yeah. It. But, no, it, uh, it's it's just, you know, it's the duality of Dante, and it kind of applies to this Bucks team as a whole. So the question for both is how can you bring up that floor, right? Like, that's all that matters. You just need to be more consistent. It's true for the Bucks. It's true for Dante. Maybe that's why Dante has to start for the Bucks. He's he's emblematic. It's like Mario needs to be in every of the Nintendo character sports games because, like, he's Mario. You can't not have Mario. Dante is now that for the Bucks. Dante is I the Bucks. I refuse to believe that you just said that Dante DiVincenzo is the Bucks Mario. <laughs> it's... There's some similarities. I can think of one. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) That's the only thing that's coming to mind. Okay, well, fair. Um, Yeah, no, we're going to leave that alone. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much more I have to talk about with Dante. I mean, he's just too inconsistent. And, you know, it's cheeky analogy for the Bucks aside, like as just looking at the player and not the, the Mario aspect of this, you just can't have that. Especially when, you know, and I, we probably haven't focused on this enough just because Dante has been, I think, the more outsized issue and just because his position is, is deeper on this team. 
Brooke Lopez has been pretty damn questionable on offense in this in these two games too, which is what you would expect, but also like way too many missed bunnies over these last two games. I mean, he, I don't think he made a three in either game, which that hurts, but that's just going to happen sometimes. But I don't think he made enough of an impact within the arc either. There would be a possession where he like posts up Kevin Durant beautifully and gets a basket and, you know, gets KD on the ground. And there's like inherent value if you can make KD work on defense and get into him a little bit. But then the next possession, he's got a bunny layup over, I don't know, Jeff Green. And it's like an air ball. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Like just at least be consistent in the small role that you can have offensively. I'd say I was a little concerned with Lopez. I think they held up in his minutes, but and and I think he made some great defensive plays to make that happen. But I'm I'm a little skeptical, like even of the 24 minutes at this point. I don't know. They, I just need him to be better offensively. I, I don't know what was happening on offense with him in these two games. It's, it's really interesting because I expected the complete opposite to be the case with Brook right. Lopez on this net season. Right. I expected him to be at best like a like a good offensive player to dominate against Brooklyn's lack of size and to just be, you know, sort of not great on defense, get sort of like stretched out, played off the floor. So to, he's held up defensively. He just, he just hasn't produced anything offensively. And I think that's a very interesting uh, sort of paradoxical. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Of looking at Brooke Lopez in this uh, against this Nets team, like it's it's weird. Like both both things that we just mentioned, like his good defense and his lack of offense. I'm not sure if either of those things would hold up in a seven game series against the Brooklyn Nets. Like yeah. I think his offense would get going a bit, and I think his defense would slip a lot. But we also now have a a two game sample. Given that's not a lot, but. You know, you take what you can get in, like, these short NBA series. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. We we just we don't have a ton of film saying, oh, Brooke Lopez is going to get played off the floor. And we don't have a ton of film that says Brooke Lopez is going to produce offensively against this team. 
Yeah, and I think the offense in general for me is a con, right? Because these two games both, like the formula for the Bucks winning, there was just like a lot of little things that worked out in the end. Giannis was spectacular. Chris was spectacular for four quarters in game one and just a supernova for one quarter that ended up obviously really mattering in game two. Drew Holiday, good in both games. We'll get to him later. And then it's like Bryn Forbes doing a bit and then just like nothing. And that's not going to be sustainable, I don't think, to beat this Nets team in a series. And obviously you could, you know, point to these two games and say, well, look, it's it worked. But if we assume Harden is back for the playoffs, I just think the Bucks are going to need more offense. So I think probably my biggest con, something I kind of harped on over the course of both of these games, is like there's not enough points coming from guys not named Giannis, Chris, and Drew. And for three quarters of this game, guys named Chris were not included in that. But overall, I mean, they, they end up combining for what, like 80 points or so? That's not bad. You need somebody else to score points. And like, it's great that Bryn Forbes stepped up in both games. Really convenient for our Bryn should be a starter narrative. I think all the key evidence is just blinding at that point, at this point for that. But somebody else needs to do something, right? Like Dante with 10 and, you know, like six of them on made layups, which you cannot rely on. Brooke Lopez with eight. Bobby Portis yeah. with five. Non-Bucks scored 42 points. Non-big three bucks. Yeah, non-big three bucks. <laughs> Non-bucks, yeah. yeah. Because, like, Chris Giannis and uh, Drew, they combined for 82 points. <laughs> yeah, 42 That's, points from the other six guys, or seven guys who really, or no, six guys who really played. The Nasus yeah. with a rare zero-minute stat line. Also, one possession for Thanasis, and it's just beautiful. He picks up Kevin Durant on those four seconds that he's in the game. I was like, as I saw him sort of floating to KD, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what's going to happen here? And he didn't give up a bucket. That's a win. And Every... those two were laughing. They were chatting it up. Good friends, Thanasis probably. the recruiter out here. Even though his track record isn't great, but uh. yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Um, but the the offense. So I guess my question. Let's put a question inside this con. Who should more points be coming from? And I, I'm looking for like a little more sustainable points as well. Like I don't. I'm a, I'm almost worried about Bryn Forbes being so vital in these games at this point because there's going to be a time when he is like one for six from three, and you know maybe he still gets up to like ten points with some twos and some free throws, but he shot really well from deep in these games, which is not, you know, he's going to shoot well generally all the time because he's just a really good three-point shooter, but there's going to be variance there. Where else can points come from to buoy this team? So I really think this needs to come from Bobby Portis. We did not see this in game one because obviously he did not play in these, uh, what was that, Saturday, Sunday? Sunday. Against Sunday, the Sunday afternoon. Yes. Um, so we saw him for the first time in this Brooklyn series, uh, Tuesday night's game, play 16 minutes, only puts up six shots, which is very interesting for Bobby Portis because usually his shot attempts uh, correlate to the amount of minutes he's playing. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's it's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> 0 of 2 from 3, 2 of 4 from inside the arc. It's just, it wasn't great. It looked like he was a little hesitant at times. Uh, when he was like, there was possessions where he would catch the ball at the three point line, and in the possession he would usually shoot, he hesitated. He thought about it, and then he didn't take the shot, uh, and the defender's there, and he can't take it anymore. 
it's just it was too hesitant. It wasn't the Bobby Portis we're used to seeing, and I don't think we can necessarily, or maybe we can, blame the stomach illness on that. I'm going I'm not to really it. sure. I, I thought it felt a little rusty and just off coming in, and I mean, we he just don't didn't know. look as confident. He yeah. didn't look as he was going to take as many shots as he usually does. Like in these sort of stretches, these short, like 16 minute stretches of games, if he's not going to be playing starter minutes, get some shots up. Like you do, you man. Like you're in the you're in the consideration, I guess, for sixth man of the year for a reason. Like you are Bobby Buckets. Like go get some buckets. This team really needs a player who is capable off the bench or just in a supporting role, I'll say, to go and be a scorer. And Bobby Portis is that guy for this team. Like Bryn Forbes, he again, great shooter. He's not gonna create for himself unless it's like a step back one legged shot at Pat Ewing, but like those aren't going to fall every game. Yeah. Like, give it, he's a great shooter, like you mentioned, but those type of tough shots, you can't rely on that. Bobby Portis is a guy who is capable of getting his own shot, especially against a Nets team who is thin at front court depth. Like, Bobby Portis should be able to go at Blake Griffin. He should be able to go at Jeff Green. Like, these are guys that he can take, like, on offense. He needs to do it. We don't have a sample. Maybe the sample is going to end up being the real thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be. Um, I, I'm not worried. Like, I don't think Portis is the kind of guy who sees a star-studded Nets team and like gets nervous. Like, I just think he was a little bit out of rhythm coming back from the stomach thing, and obviously, you know, missing Sunday's game and then in this game, he just doesn't look right to me. He still ends up second on the bench and scoring despite looking pretty terrible, which is probably an issue in itself. But I think it's going to be there, and I agree with you. I think that is the answer. I think that is the punch the bunch of, the Bucks have been missing from like the non-primary players in terms of scoring. It's Portis. I mean, there's a reason that he is like what fourth on the team, I think, in in stocks at this point. Like him and Forbes, I think, are fourth and fifth. Just and Portis especially mm-hmm. it was just like through the roof because it felt like every single game he's putting up 15 points on like eight shots. Like that's the Bobby Portis special. It's like he comes in, he scores probably fourth most on the team despite taking, you know, playing less minutes and taking less shots, not per minute, but overall taking less shots than uh, some of the, the, the big three guys. I just think it's, it's unusual to go through two games where he scores five total points. It's unheard of really. So if he's scoring 15 a night instead of five total, that's a huge difference. I think that's a lot of load off of some of the other uh, tertiary players. And it's going to be necessary because, like, Pat Connaughton accomplished nothing offensively except for, you know, one huge make in the first game, no made field goals in the second Nets game, or I guess technically the third, but the second of this miniseries, two points Only on one free shot throws. attempt. Yeah, I mean that's that's the pat that's the classic pat game, right? Like one to four attempted shots. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting. I'll say that I don't really have a take on it yet, but we'll see. I just, just I I think yeah. he plays the same game offensively as PJ Tucker, where like he's just not going to initiate stuff. That's just not what he does, and I think it's good. It's probably not I good think for he's, Pat. He's more capable than PJ Tucker, though. Like, Pat Connaughton is, like, the one axillary piece on this Bucks team who can actually go north-south. Like, he can go downhill, theoretically. Off-ball. Yes, off-ball. Like, off yeah. the catch, I'll say that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's how he draws drew his fouls too. He kind of got it in motion. And- yeah, that that's his thing. Off the catch, he just sort of he, he's a he's a slasher. Like he's a mini slasher, and he, like one shot attempt that means you aren't moving enough. Realistically, yeah, you aren't putting fair. yourself in enough position positions. It's not like oh, you need to go out there and create your own shot. No, you need to be in a position where guys like Giannis, Chris, and Drew can go out there and find you, so you can make plays like that. It's not necessarily like, oh, I want Pat Conson to go out there and be like a featured offensive piece or even like a Bobby Portis level offensive piece. Maybe not even a Bryn Forbes level offensive piece. Just like be in the right spots. The ball will find you. That's what you do. Come on. You're like, you're Pat Connaughton. I did think it was interesting. He only played 14 minutes in this game after not having a great game on Sunday against the Nets. It's not a great fit for him. It really isn't. There's, like, no player no on the one, Nets yeah. he really fits into besides Bruce Brown, and Bruce Brown is his own player. Yeah. I just, like, Pat is, like, if you can hide him on maybe, like, an unathletic or non-threatening bigger wing player, I think that's where he can really thrive. And the Nets, like, all of their big wing players are pretty threatening for one reason or another. Like, I, I don't think he really has a safe haven unless, like, I guess Claxton is out there and... Nick Claxton only logged like four minutes in this game, so he's also five. Back from hey, injury. Brooklyn's best defender. <laughs> he's gonna gonna change everything for the Nets. He he logs four minutes and or five minutes, excuse me. Oh, the Nets won the minutes by one. Maybe they're maybe they're onto something with uh, Nick Claxton and his two rebounds and one foul. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, a little, it's a little concerning that Pat and PJ can put up five combined points in back-to-back games of six and six in the first one, five in this one. And it it doesn't feel out of the ordinary to me. I know you're saying Pat can accomplish more. I just think like I would never be surprised if you told me those two guys combined for five points. That does mean there's going to be a lot of load that has to be held up by Portis and Forbes just to make that bench viable. Even so, I'll I'll give PJ Tucker a little benefit of the doubt too. Like he had a couple open corner threes that he passed out for better looks. So it's like those could have resulted in points and I saw shot. I to Brooke Lopez. He didn't always pass them out for better looks, but I well, I know Brooke what you're Lopez saying. could have passed the ball too. Uh, <laughs> Brooke Lopez passed the ball, Rohan, when he could shoot it. <laughs> yeah, you, you have Lewinsky a point. That, passed the ball. Hey, he he he's new here. PJ is. Uh, he, he doesn't know everything yet. He's never going to get used to the new whistle, I'll tell you that. My goodness, he cannot catch a break. Who's the next game against? Is it Chicago? Is it Washington? Oh, it's Washington. Actually, actually it doesn't even yeah. matter. Bud needs to get attacked for the next time P.J. Tucker gets fouled. Like, make some inroads there before the playoffs because – this is like this is a real thing. But I don't mean to I don't mean to throw you off track with what you were gonna say, but it's that's a huge con is like PJ Tucker gets the worst whistle I think I've ever seen. And I watch a lot of Bucks basketball. Oh, for sure. For sure. I was just gonna build off what I was saying. Like he could he could have more shot attempts and I think he will have more shot attempts and more points because he's just gonna have to. He's gonna have to be a guy that you know when he gets the ball in the corner, you have to shoot that. Like that's your thing. <laughs> that's that's why the Bucks like acquired you because you're gonna you're going to provide on the defensive end. And credit to him, he has been. He's just been getting a tough, tough whistle, like you've been saying. Like he did he foul out of the first no. game or he had five fouls? I think he had five in the first and four in the second, and he played 23 minutes in game one and 20 minutes in game two. So. 43 minutes, roughly as many as KD averaged in these two. 
in that amount of time, PJ Tucker picks up nine personal fouls. That's that's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> that's an issue. Like that again. Like make some progress there before the playoffs. There's a lot of schematic things to work on and everything. Bud, get tossed out of a game and take take the night off. Let Darvin Has get some gotten reps. tossed out of a game as a Bucks head coach. I don't. I, I don't remember one. I don't think so. Um, I can remember Google that. Jason Kidd getting thrown out of the games, but I can't remember a Bud getting tossed out of a game. I feel like we'd remember it. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember because Ham has coached once, but I think Bud missed it for a different reason. Yeah, I think it was personal reason. Yeah, I think it was a personal. Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, and you don't have to get tossed. You can just pick up the one tech, but. Make some nice. Get tossed, why not? Yeah, it'd be funny. Like I said, get, get, you'll get, get a Darvin. standing ovation. Shout out John Henson. Uh, you'll get a standing ovation like John Henson. I just, get, I'm here with the deep cuts today. Get Darvin Ham some reps is all I'm saying. But um, yeah, PJ Tucker, one of the the worst whistle I've ever seen anyone get. That's a con. Yeah, that's a huge con. Like his whole thing is defense. If he can't play his physical brand of defense. Without you know getting in immediate foul trouble, that's going to be problematic. It's also the personnel like Kevin Durant is going to get calls. Yeah, that's but it's going to happen. He, it's just like every time he checks in, he's got two personals. By the time he's like <laughs> ready to take his first shot, he starts I mean, games with personal fouls. Like, and I'm not necessarily saying it's his fault, but it's just like it's just an issue. Like something that's going to be bad if this is like in the playoffs and. You know, his first five games, he has four like fouls KD by halftime. extends his arm and shoves uh, P.J. Tucker to the ground, and it's a foul on P.J. Yeah. Tucker. He's gotten – it's bad. Yeah, it's not his fault at all. But, yeah, I don't know. Something – Bud, pick up a couple texts, man. Like, let's let's help out P.J. Tucker here because we're going to need him to play intense physical defense, his thing. If he can't do that, I don't really know what he's going to be providing. Again, this was also a regular season game. Like, it felt like a playoff game. It was also, you know, just a regular season game. So we all know the cliche, you know, playoff whistle is different. But it, it actually is. Yeah, So thankfully. We'll see. We'll see. At least the, the Bucks will hopefully have a tune-up round. Yeah. Yeah, I think hopefully. so. I think so. Um, what, what pro or con do you want to talk about next? Let's talk about Drew. Yeah, that's a good call. So Drew Holiday, we were talking uh, last episode about how he was playing elite, elite defense, and it's like it's fine if he struggles in the offensive end a little bit. He was like, you know what? I'm going to do both this game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be an elite defender. I'm also going to hit three step-back threes in your face, go four of six from three overall, eight of 13 for the field, 61.5% for the field time, in route to 23 points with 10 assists, eight rebounds, of near, near triple-double for Drew Holiday, sneakily. Uh, two turnovers, one steal, one block. I I love Drew Holiday. I love yeah. him. I'll, <laughs> I'll yeah. be the first one to say it in the relationship, Drew. Like, uh, I love <laughs> I love when we uh we get to relationship or or ex relationship talk on the podcast. Um, yeah, I think you know the pro was like now we 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 don't know no, but we have a better idea of like you know can Drew maintain that offensive excellence while taking such a heavy load defensively? Yes, the answer is yes, he can do that. Does that mean he'll do it every night? No, but we have tape now. We have clear evidence that says. 
it is possible for me to switch from Kyrie to KD to whoever the hell else I need to and still put up 23 points on 13 shots while adding 10 assists and just two turnovers. The issue is the 13 shots. And it's like it's great that he had the 10 assists. Clearly the ball was in his hand. But as the Bucks nearly fell apart late, like Giannis trying to do so much and accomplishing basically nothing, ball should have been in Drew's hands more. And really across the, the whole game, even with 10 assists, like 13 shots is just not enough for me, especially when backcourt mate Dante DiVincenzo puts up 10 in seven less minutes. Brooke Lopez puts up eight shots. Like, there were shots to go around. I mean, Giannis took 30. He probably could have scaled it back by two, if not taken two better shots. Sometimes I feel like you said backcourt, mate. Sometimes I feel like Drew Holiday is just a backcourt by himself. (laughs) He does play, like, the best of Bledsoe and the best of Wes Matthews put together. He plays, like, two positions at once. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not wrong when I say that. Like, it feels like he's the entire starting backcourt at times. It he he basically has been for times, especially in these last two games. But I I would like to see him just be a little more assertive. And it's not like you know he picked up some assists in the fourth quarter, sure, but it's not like the Bucks were scripting a bunch of stuff for Drew to run. And it's the same as we saw saw in the game before when the Bucks kind of in that one it was less egregious because like we mentioned in the last pod, right? Like Chris was doing so well. Looking at a Chris Giannis play makes a lot of sense, even if they just biffed it somehow pretty unexplainably. But to not have Drew purposefully involved more in the fourth quarter felt like a bit of a mistake to me, especially because, like, like we already lined up. He was unguardable. He did whatever he wanted all game. He's bullying guys in the block. He's stepping back against the big guys and draining threes in their face. You know, do more of it, Drew. Like, Let's see some more of this stuff. It's very fun. It's very good for the Bucks. I could have done with, you know, some more shots from Drew Holiday. I don't want to see less than, like, I, I think 18 is a good number. And I know it, the assist that makes it tough to have that many shooting possessions, but that's how many shots Chris took despite being super quiet to start the game total. In, in total, he took 18. I want to see Drew putting up 18 shots a game, too. For sure, for sure. Like, he's proving that he is more than capable, like you said, of carrying that offensive load while also maintaining that defensive load. I just want to appreciate Drew Holiday's step-back three. It's gorgeous. It's like it might be the prettiest step-back I've ever seen. It's, it's all low. in one motion, too. The it's release just, is so low. I, I'm always amazed how, at how he shoots it. Because he gets so much separation on it. And it's it's not even like a pseudo travel either, like some players. It's just I'm just taking shots here. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's it's very it's very satisfying to watch. I don't know. I just appreciated seeing the Drew Holiday step back. Everything except the lazy passes is incredibly satisfying. I think his two turnovers were like just the two worst plays you could imagine, like for Drew Holiday. And he does have those kind of brain farts where he's like just kind of loops a big slow pass across the whole floor and it doesn't quite get to where he wants it to go. But those are a lot more excusable when, like, you do that twice, but those are your only two turnovers in a game where you also have 10 assists and generate 23 points yourself. So, yeah, just a great player. I just want more of him. I just, like, want more assertiveness from Drew in some of these games to, like, take even more shots. But that's the good kind of nit to pick, right? Like, you know you're doing a lot right 
when all we want to see more, all we want to see different is more. Like, that's a big positive, I think, in itself. Yeah, and it's also, like, you're going to defer to Giannis. Like, of course. That, that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, that's probably what should happen anyway. You should give the ball to your best player. Like, <laughs> regardless yeah. of what they're yeah. doing, regardless of what, you know, like what kind of shots they're taking. Giannis is, this, this team runs through Giannis and it will run through Giannis. Like, that's what's going to happen. And Drew Holiday, I, he realizes that Giannis is the best player on this team for good reason. And he's just, you know, giving it, giving it to Giannis, who also secretly plays like almost 40, like 38 and a half, 37 and a half minutes. Like, I like it. I think here's a pro. Bud won't be out coached when the Bucks play the best team in the East. Yes. I think we're there after this, right? Like I He I, won't I, be out coached in the second round and later. In the East. Yes. So rounds two through three. <laughs> what a low bar. We've reached Bud at will, minimum. At Bud minimum, will only be out coached in one to two theoretically. Playoff series. I'm saying at least rounds two through three in the playoffs. It could yeah, be I, more. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But <laughs> it's like what a low bar, right? Like you could you could enter the playoffs with a great coach and just know like the worst you'll do is drawing even, and the Bucks are like, we'll at least do that twice. And that's good, and that's really good. At least good they're not for us. indie. Yeah, we'll get to indie, uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, I just think like Steve's Steve Nash's Nets, and I know like they just haven't played together at all. Yada yada. You know what I'm sick of? I'm gonna get on a soapbox. I'm sick of hearing boo hoo. Life has been so hard for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh God, I'm so sorry. You guys need to figure out how to play with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. What an incredible burden it is for your basketball team that you have to figure out how these three superstars play together. Oh, you know, let me let me not stain my Chris Middleton jersey with tears for how hard your life is. Shut up. I'm so, okay, sorry. Sorry that it's hard that you've had some injuries. You have but Katie, tied, James Harden, and Kyrie. They're dealing with injuries. No other team in the league has dealt with injuries. No other team in the league has dealt with COVID absences. No other team it's in the only... league has dealt with Kyrie just leaving because also there's also that. That that part is true, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for other teams to deal with a non-rostered player leaving. Uh, with a rostered but... player leaving. No, Kyrie's only on one team. So. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, only the Nets and Lakers have been affected by injuries and Celtics, COVID. Celtics. I remember it's less, of, less about If them. the Celtics and Lakers are in the play-in, what a disaster that the play-in functions exactly how it was designed to function, Rohan. What an absolute disaster. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight as I worry about Brooklyn, Boston, and L.A. I tell you. I tell you. What a hard road it is. For these franchises. I can't believe. They have to struggle the so hard to get to where they want to go, Ty. They don't have it easy like the Milwaukee's of the world. They really don't. They have to go out there. They have to trade everything they have for superstars, Ty. They have to go out there. They have to earn every single call. 
They have to just build themselves up because they get no national media coverage, Ty. It's just, it's such a struggle for the Boston, LA's, and New York's to get a damn place in the NBA, Ty. Imagine what it's like to have LaMarcus Aldridge, one of the better buyout options of the last few years, have to retire suddenly. And all you have is n- newly revitalized Blake Griffin as your only he's primary. He's a, yeah, he's a bum. But as your only buyout addition, what a cruel world the Nets are operating in. The poor oh, Nets, bro. They have to figure out. me. Adam Imagine, Silver fixed this. I think Steve Nash should win Coach of the Year because this guy has been given the impossible job of how do you win basketball games with Kevin Durant and James Harden. We, the league has never seen that before. So really just – No know, other team has to deal with this integration, Ty. Every never. other team has to really – you know, they have to, you know, just deal with the players they have. Like Milwaukee, they have these players. They've had to, you know, get – they've been lucky enough to get these players and keep them long-term. Now Brooklyn, they get these players on the fly. So they have to deal with the hardships of player integration. Or some coaches around the league have to integrate worse players and win basketball games, which is much easier. It's much easier to put together worse pieces and get better results. We all know this. I digress. But I don't even want to go too deep on this. I don't think Bud was, like, terrific in these games, but I thought he was It's just not a massive disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. There's not a huge disparity, which, after going up against Spo and Nurse in back-to-back series, uh, playoff ending series, feels pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thankfully, one of them is not probably not even going to be there. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um if the Raptors get Cade Cunningham, I'm going to be sad. Uh what other pros and cons do you want to talk about? Um let's talk about the Chris Middleton experience. Oh yeah, because we haven't really gotten there that much. So we've we've hinted at the Chris Middleton experience through the first 3 quarters of this game, Ty. We were starting to wonder, okay, what's going on here? One of six from the field, oh, one from three, three points. Like, oh, goodness, what is going bad. on here? That's that bad. Is, yep, that Can is confirm. also incorrect. That is just the third quarter, what I oh. just said. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what did he have? Two points in the second? He had no points in the first quarter. So uh, in the through the first three quarters, three of 12 from the field, 10 points, one of three from distance. He did get the free throw line, three of three from the line, just like, you know, you want more. Like, 3 of 12 from the field just isn't cutting it. But then, but then, it's fourth quarter time, and he decides we, as the Milwaukee Bucks team, are not losing this game. Six of six from the field. He absolutely dismantled the Nets defense. He didn't even attempt a three in that quarter, and he still had 13 points on 100% shooting from the field. Like I said, six of six from the field. It was incredible. It was a dissection. It was a full gross anatomy course tie. What Chris Middleton did to the Brooklyn Nets defense in the fourth quarter. While playing terrific defense himself on Kevin Durant at the same time. One of the most impressive all-around quarters I've seen of NBA basketball. Just like an incredible run. And again, it's in a way a microcosm of, of the Bucks as a whole, right? Cause it's like on the one hand... Why don't you do this more often? Oh, my goodness. What a quarter. Look at the potential that is not consistently tapped into or at least not consistently achievable. And on the other hand, it's like, well, at least we do know that 
that kind of immolation is still still accessible. It's still there. Like word choice, Ty. It's the sorest tie out here. Add it again. You you want to know a pro for me? Yes. The Bucks have a high enough ceiling to win the championship this year. There we go. It's there. there we go. We've seen it. Like we've Welcome. seen the pieces look so good. I don't know if I was ever even not here. It's not even that hot of a take. They could do it. Is basically the take. It's not that hot. Not that they will do it. They could do it. And I think it's all going to come down to we're back to Dante being the Mario of the Bucks. Like how close can you bring the day to day floor to the tippy top of the ceiling? And, like, the closer you can consistently get there across a particular seven-game series is going to decide it. Like, if the Bucks play their best ball four times in seven, I think they have a pretty good shot of beating anybody those four times. But they just have to do it. And everything that we've talked about all season, you know, sometimes we'll be like, we talked about this on the last pod, so go listen to that. We've talked about this all season, so go listen to the last 60 podcasts. But, you know, shot selection, like, Draw, getting Chris moving off ball, Drew and Giannis moving on ball, three-point defense, you know, defensive consistency, effort and energy, the Thanasis factor, even though he's not going to be a big factor himself in these games. His Have legacy, you seen him on the bench? His, I was going to say, his legacy and his his, uh, his his mental impact might be incalculable on the box. And his defense on Kevin Durant for one possession. That one possession, baby. Um, but all of those things that we've talked about, like they all just need to come together and – you know, some of them are strategic. Some of them are just, like, things that need to happen. Like, also, you know, you just need guys to hit shots, too, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's going to be super important as well. The Bucks have better shooters now, so you feel better about that. So, I think the ceiling is there. After the Philly game, really just the one, because Embiid doesn't play the second one, but the Philly game and the Brooklyn games this last month or so, you can see the ceiling, right? Like, it's it's like a basilica. It's high as hell. They just have to be able to get there, and that's going to be that's going to be what the playoffs come down to, and it's going to be quite a ride, I think. Ty, I got one more pro for you, and okay. take it further than that. The Bucks should be the favorites. Really, they should should be. I think, in at least in my eyes, they are the favorites in the Eastern Conference right now. Are you always talking about the East when you say if you if you say to me? The favorites. I'm thinking in the Eastern league. Conference. In, I'm in the Eastern league. Conference. Yeah. Here's a pro, Ron. They are the favorites. Locked down a thousand percent to win the Central Division. Like, no, <laughs> you gotta be. Come on, Rohan. <laughs> favorites of the Eastern Conference. I'll say that. Just because I do think they match up very well with Brooklyn. They match and Philly. up insanely well with Philly. Philly does not scare me one bit. Because they have, this is what we've been preaching all season long, especially since when they got PJ Tucker. They have the versatility to match up with Philly. They have the versatility to match up with Brooklyn. They can do anything they want against either team. Given I may be drinking the Kool Aid a bit because they've won a, twice against a Brooklyn Nets team that didn't have a former MVP on their team. Uh, James Harden does not fix these problems. I'm sorry to tell you, but when the chips go down at the end of games and when it really matters, the ball is going to be in Kevin Durant's hands. It's going to be the similar sort of offense that they've run in these games because it's going to be Kevin Durant time. It's not going to be James Harden time. It's not going to be Kyrie Irving time. 
it's going to be Kevin Durant time. And the Bucks have shown that they can match up against a team, this Nets team, with Kevin Durant as the alpha. They've shown it now. And we've seen it against Philly. I Like I just said, Philly does not scare me in the slightest bit. But what I've seen from this Bucks team against this Nets team is that they can take down this Nets team when their alpha is playing at an absolute apex predator level. Like Kevin Durant has been incredible, incredible. These last two games, Bucks beat them both times. That's enough for me. Yeah, I think you look at on the season now, the Bucks plus seven against Brooklyn. KD plays all three. Kyrie plays two. Harden plays one. So they had at least two of the guys for every single game. The Nets, if you remember, win game one barely by two points. The Bucks win game two by three points. The Bucks win game three by six points. And, you know, they, they, they didn't just help hold up. They won the season series. And same against Philly. So, you know, that does make you feel better about potentially getting out of the East. I, I, I see where you're winning me over. And even, even here, Ty, I'll take it one step further. We're, we're saying like, oh, like Philly didn't have Ben Simmons. Like, oh, Brooklyn didn't have James Harden. Yes, these are players who have clearly shown throughout their careers that they step it up in the playoffs. And again, like those teams that like Brooklyn has Ben you know, Simmons has been a detriment to his team in the playoffs. Just, like, Philly always has problems with availability. It's not just a regular season thing. Well, yeah, and Philly, James Philly Harden podcasters, yeah. Philly podcasters will say you should be able to win MVP off the strength of like literally two games played because it's like so ingrained in their ethos that it shouldn't matter because the Philly guys, especially Embiid, always miss like half the damn season. That's just how it goes. So I, I don't like that being held against the box. Like you can only play who's in front of you. The Bucs have played great opponents, opponents, truly great. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, like all the role players that they have that are still Embiid. really good. Yeah, and Embiid, it's, you know, somehow better than Giannis on the season, according to their ringer. I don't, I don't know if they, oh, they've, don't, missed, don't, no, don't, they've don't, missed some don't. games recently, I guess, over at the ringer. Um, I digress, but it's it's comforting. What, what are the Bucs now? Five and one against Philly and Brooklyn? They swept Philly, yep. right? Again, it's just regular season. doesn't say anything about the playoffs. But I do agree with you. The matchup against both is good. And I think that is the difference between this Bucks team and any other Giannis Bucks team is they have multiple configurations. Like being able to pick and choose, you know, oh, this is a Brooke Lopez matchup. Oh, this is a P.J. Tucker matchup. That's so massive for this Bucks team. So they still have stuff to figure out, namely like, can Dante be good enough to continue being in that spot, or do they have to try for no. or, some, or Portis or something else? I or and second question, like, will they ever actually make that move? Or no, maybe a closing lineup move. Probably no. But the potential is there. The matchups are good, and you know what? While we're talking each other into stuff, I think if they get out of the East, I think they could win the finals. Yeah. What? What are you laughing? No, this is just a, just ignore me. I know it's a weird lead in. As long as they're talking to each other into stuff, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> oh God, Rohan. Yeah. Get it together. It was just, I think they could. I really think who, they who could. In the the West, West, who in the West is scarier than every, Brooklyn? Literally everyone. Really? Yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, like if we're if we're looking at samples this season, the Bucks have not fared well against those teams. Yeah, but I think there was a lot of missing Drew and and PJ Tucker against Utah and Phoenix, and those players are both going to be so huge in in how those series would turn out. Fair, fair enough. Like I and think also, if they do, we do, really do, we really think Utah or Phoenix was going to come out of the West? No, not a chance. I think uh, a chance. I, I wouldn't bet on it. I think there's a chance. Oh, obviously. I don't know who's chance. going to. I don't. I, I yeah, no like idea. the Lakers might not, might not even make the playoffs. I, I I don't believe in them this year, and I'm sure the Lakers fans love this because now if they win a first round series, they get to go all we believe Lakers again. But like the injury stuff is just like so concerning. Like these LeBron and AD are not going to be fully healthy heading into the first round, or maybe even the play in. Like, that's a huge deal in how loaded that conference is this year. So this would be the year for a Utah or Phoenix to make it out. Those two, I think, probably the worst straight-up matchups this, for the This Bucks. might be the Clippers' year, then. Yeah, I was thinking, but I don't trust the Clippers. It would be so cool. Like, if, what happened to Ibaka? <laughs> like, why did he miss, like, two months? They must have hired some Sixers medical staff or something over there. But it would be super cool if the Nuggets made it. And not just because I think yeah. the Bucks would win, but... Because we would get the Nasus starting in the finals. <laughs> Jokic stopper, the Nasus at the Kumpo. Okay. Um, do we have any other pros or cons? Yes, we do. Okay. We have a massive con. Okay. A massive monumental con. And that is that at the end of the season, Jim Paschke is retiring oh. as the play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a shame. This news is it was broken by uh, the Bucks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in a in a cute little discussion between Giannis and Jim, it's incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. I saw this news. I didn't want to believe it. It's been 35 years. 35? I thought it was 25. 35? 35 years wow. since 1986? Yes. So that's 25. No? Yeah. No, that's 35. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 90s I should, is 20 why, 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 why are you trying I, to age me? Why did I just think it was 2011? <laughs> Where are you at tonight, Rohan? No, it's, I, I shouldn't doubt myself. Never. So 35 years, Jim Paschke has been the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play on the TV broadcast, and it has been an absolute joy. Given, like I was just trying to say, I have not seen all of those years, but since I've been an avid watcher, uh, content consumer of the Milwaukee Bucks, Jim Paschke has been there, and Jim Paschke has always been incredible, always put a smile on my face. He has been the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. <clears throat> it is going to be very difficult to replace him. I don't know how the Bucks are ever going to manage to do so. Dear Milwaukee Bucks, win it all. Win it yeah. all for Jim Paschke. Even uh, even Coach Bud in his post game talks after this game against the Brooklyn Nets, he said, "Let's finish this out with something special for Jim." Oh, that comes nice. courtesy of Zora Stevenson. But it's it's incredible. A happy retirement after the season for Jim Paschke. Hopefully, this goes all the way to the end because I do not want to miss any games that does not have Jim Paschke on the call. Can we get like a simulcast of the finals if like they're actually poised to win it so we can hear Jim on the call? Because obviously he's not going to do any playoff games, but hopefully they can figure something out or like lock him in a room and make him do it so at least they can tweet out the video with his call afterward. That'd be cool. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. Um, 
our lives and I'm sure a lot of listeners' lives, entire lives, Paschke has been the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think he took over exactly for Eddie Doucette, but maybe he did. Either way, there's basically been two voices of the Milwaukee Bucks for pretty much the whole franchise history, and it's been an incredible two voices. So, you know, it's going to be daunting to replace Jim, I think. feels to me that he's kind of tabbed aforementioned Zora Stevenson as his successor. They've kind of coached her up a little bit, and she's gotten to call a game or two this season. thought she did quite well. Certainly going to need some some polish, but that's just anything as, as daunting. It's the nature as, of the game. It's yeah, the yeah anything as daunting as play-by-play. It's just going to take reps. Like, podcasting is a lot easier. Go back and listen to our first podcast, like, ever that we did way back in the win in six days. It wasn't good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had a lot to improve on. That's kind of just how it works. So I would be totally cool if it was Zora. I think that would be awesome. Um, nobody else currently involved with Bucks. Uh, entertainment side should take over. Uh, Marcus should stay where he is. It's not a, this is not a shot at Marcus, but nobody else in the, no, in he's the, the best color analyst in the game. Exactly. You don't, you don't move that over. It's like, it's like the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Like, don't, uh, don't upset your whole offensive line to plug one hole. Like, just get a replacement player. Don't, don't move your left tackle. Don't do that. Keep Marcus where he is. Get Zora or someone we don't even know to fill in. Brian Anderson would be cool. I think he has 400 jobs already. I think he's the best play-by-play person in, in sports, in my opinion. But I don't think you can ask him to do Brewers and Bucks and literally every national sport for every <laughs> and, uh, five, and uh, golf, college basketball. And everything else. So it's just too much. So, Spiro um, Adidas. Sure, I guess. I don't know. He's all right. I'm not that familiar. Yeah. He's called some playoff games for the Bucks. Hashtag not telly. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep it at that. But yeah, just yeah. It, let's let's not even focus on the replacement. Let's just appreciate oh, yeah, no, Jim. You're right, you're let's right. appreciate Jim. Incredible, incredible run. I wish it didn't have to end, but it is much well deserved. I think he deserves to be applauded for not not way overstaying. Right, like we've all. Kind Shots of. to Johnny Mac. <laughs> Johnny Mac and Marv. Yeah. Marv on the national calls, just like Marv Albert. It's just like gets the player wrong basically every possession and all that. Like it, it must be hard to walk away. I'm sure Jim loves doing it. He's been terrific for the last 35 years. And he's not there, right? Like I'm I'm not, not equating him there. But, you know, it's just I think you just reach a certain point where you kind of have to – you know, call it a career and, and make peace. I think Jim is definitely going out the right way while still a fantastic broadcaster. And I hope they bring him back every so often to, you know, step in for a quarter or whatever else. And baseball teams do that stuff all the time. Why not do it in basketball too? For sure. For sure. It's just, it's We're giving very, roses. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's been there. Like think about how much this Bucks team has changed since 1986. They've gone from absolute highs to absolute lows, and they're starting to get back to the highs. And the one constant the entire time has been Jim Paschke. That's the only constant for yeah. this Bucks franchise. It really is. They've changed ownership groups. They've changed like whatever building. position you want to say, building, anything you want to associate with the organization. Everything has changed since then, except for Jim. Except for Jim Paschke, 
it's going to be insanely sad to see him go, but we wish you all the best. Man, it's a bummer that he didn't start in, like, 85 to overlap with Marcus there because that would be, like, such a cool touch point starting and ending thing. I think he was a couple of years too late. But, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the phenomenal local play-by-play guys around the league. Bucks, one of the few areas, as you're mentioning, the Bucks have been truly lucky to be above average at consistently for three and a half decades. Basically, nothing else that has been true for for the Milwaukee Bucks over that span, except Jim Paschke and his remarkable play-by-play. So congratulations on a great career, Jim. Congratulations, indeed. I think that's a fitting place to end this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure to leave a like, you know, leave a like. Yeah, make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Leave a rating. That's what I meant to say if you're on Apple. Share the pod all over. Tell your friends and family about the show. Check out all of the great podcasts across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe. Get vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.